most founders come at things with the right intentions. The pressures of capitalism then put that at risk. Are we looking at it and thinking about responsible growth, meaning, hey, sure, I know if I take out this ingredient, I may increase margin. But if I also take out this ingredient, I don't have the right level of care for that customer. There are other ways to then get to profitability without sacrificing the needs and the demands and the satisfaction of those that we serve. Traditional corporate practices got us to a life-threatening climate and unjust society. Changing this trajectory needs bold solutions from diverse thinkers. Welcome to Impact Reimagined, the podcast that helps you discover and envision a future where humanity's greatest problems are solved. I am Dr. Noah Gaffney, Executive Director of the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and your host. For founders, staying true to purpose can be difficult, especially as investors put pressure on startups to grow and deliver returns. As a serial entrepreneur, Keenan Beasley understands this all too well, but he is not the type to give up purpose for profit. For him, being an entrepreneur means living in service of others. One way in which Keenan is doing this is through his hair care brand, Sunday to Sunday. Today, Keenan tells us how he is helping narrow the health equity gap by supporting athletic women with textured hair. He speaks of the overlooked value of catering to the specific needs of diverse communities. On the show, Keenan also shares why prioritizing customers can actually be good for business. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I am a football player all the way up through college and then kind of really began my dedication really to service and impact. And I give the statements around West Point and being a football player because that speaks to just what my natural state is of serving the greater good of of society and of the team. So after that, I spent my career kind of corporately. So worked at the Procter & Gamble's, Rekab & Keezer's, the L'Oreal's of the world from kind of an assistant brand manager all the way up to a vice president of marketing. I then was a number two at an early stage startup that we sold, started another company, sold that in them. Now really in my kind of third career of just a real impact-driven ecosystem on how I believe I can serve the greater good of society through my efforts and and through the relationships that I've built over time. Keenan believes that the best way he can be of service is through entrepreneurship. I'm a bit of a purist, right, at times where when I think about the goal of an entrepreneur is to identify areas where they can create value. And I think Innately, that is the impact that we want to create on the world. So when you are trying to meet an unmet need, right, or service customers, to me, you're looking to create impact. So I think as entrepreneurs, we're all impact creators at its sense. And I think why we do that, well, I think we found ways to do it within the guise of capitalism. So to me, being an entrepreneur means that you are trying to do good, meaning create value, and you're also trying to have fantastic returns for yourself, your stakeholders, your investors, right, your teams, et cetera. So that intersection to me sits right within just the sheer definition of raising your hand and saying you're crazy enough to want to be an entrepreneur. But if I take it a step further, 
I think for me personally, I am about closing the quality of life gap in America and around the world in general, right? So full stop. That is why I believe I was placed on this planet. And in doing so, I am proving that we can do that, right? And, and we can measure that by creating jobs, by creating jobs that are above living wages, and that we can help people own more than they owe. But I also can do that by giving great returns to those that have invested in this vision. And that is something we strive to do every day. Keenan's desire to close the quality of life gap led him to create Sunday to Sunday. I am in an observation state 24-7, 365, right? Within that, you know, your family oftentimes is a lot of your research uh, because you spend so much time around them. So I'm, I'm sitting there with with my niece one day and, and she's a better version of me in all aspects. So it's it's quite humbling when I'm around her because she's a little bit smarter than I was. She's a little bit more athletic, right? She's a little bit more empathetic. She's a little bit better of a cook. All these things at, in, in packaged up in this 13-year-old amazing child. She's a top 10 swimmer in the country. And she came to me one day and She's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about actually giving up swimming. And I'm like, why? You know, you just won this race. Like, you know, you're, you're doing incredible. So I thought it was going to be a focus thing. And, and her response was, you know, I just, I really don't feel pretty. I'm starting to get a little bit more muscular and my hair just seemed to always be dry in my skincare routine. So she's going into all these things that really became beauty related. And I said, Oh my goodness. You know, now she's at the age where she likes boys. Unfortunately, my little niece is, is growing up, but beauty became such a huge part of her world at this stage. And for me to see an extremely talented young woman now want to give up something she loves because she doesn't feel like she can meet the beauty standards. Well, that's an issue because if you look on the other side of that, myself growing up as a male athlete, right? I was actually seen as more attractive with the sports that I played and the level of physicality that I demonstrated, right? And how tough and, and frankly, how dirty I was willing to get. That made me more desirable in all aspects. So just seeing that discrepancy, well, that's a gap, right? That's a quality of life gap because you have a lot of women that are making a compromise and saying, I am not going to do the activity that I love. I'm not going to play the sport that I love. I'm not going to jump into the pool on vacation because I don't want to mess up my hair or I don't want to jeopardize my beauty routine or how I'm going to look in the world. To me, that's completely wrong, right? And that and that's something that as Sunday to Sunday, we wanted to make sure we identified ways to play a part in closing that gap. And so we started with what was the, the bulk of the time, right? When you look at the beauty regimen, it takes the average guy about seven minutes to get ready after he works out or after an activity takes the average woman about 55 minutes. Huge gap, right? When you start to break down that gap, the bulk of that 55 minutes is on hair. And so the first thing that we wanted to do is Sunday to Sunday and bridging that was come up with hair solutions that both decrease the amount of time it takes her to get ready, but also caring for some of the things that just your, your normal activities and sweating, et cetera, does to the hair and scalp. So we had this, this dual mission of both increasing convenience, but then also satisfying things at the barrier function to create a healthier scalp and hair environment. Sunday to Sunday is a hair care brand tailored to athletic women with textured hair. By enabling women to remain active, Keenan's company is contributing to health equity. We know that if we're allowed to work out more and we're more active as human beings, we tend to be healthier. So when we look at blood pressure and hypertension, when we look at obesity, when we look at cardiovascular diseases, et cetera, et cetera. 
most of those things, the doctor will prescribe something like, hey, you should work out more, right? You should be more active. Well, when you take women with textured hair and they have that time commitment of now 55 minutes or more, well, looking at just the busy life, I mean, you know, my partner, right, as a new mom, how much time does she have in a day? She wants to work out every day. The desire's there. But does she have 55 minutes every day on top of the workout? Every day. So that's not a 30 minute or an hour workout. That's now a two hour window of time that's not often available. And when you look at most people, they say things like, I don't have the time to work out. Well, they're talking about just the workout. Imagine having to plan the time to work out and get ready after the workout to transition to wherever it is that you need to go on to in life. That is something that Sunday to Sunday seeks to solve for. And I think we've been doing a great job at it. We're going to continue working at it every day. And what's really fascinating is there's a lack of data around Black women and textured hair more broadly. Do you want to share a little bit about why you think it's important to discover insights about diverse communities, especially for companies? Yeah, you know, we're we're at a time period now where we're one, you know, this is the melting pot of the world, right? I mean, you know, they called uh, South Africa the rainbow nation, but I, I would say the United States is rapidly becoming that when you look at how diverse we are as a country. And you're seeing a lot more textured hair consumers, meaning curlier textures, right? When we think and we go back to the origins of hair care, a lot of times in this country, it was designed after straight haired women, right? Meaning round follicles, right? Where the hair grows straight. Within that, there's no curvature. And when you don't have curvature, there's no chance for breakage. So when the early companies were developing textured hair care solutions, well, what was their reference point? They had to use damaged white hair. So they looked at women that had straight hair that was damaged, whether it was from color treated or, or whatever else, right? Heat damage, et cetera. Just things where there were drier, more brittle or damaged hair. That is how they then developed a lot of the textured hair solutions. Well, one, that's just completely ridiculous, right? Because you have textured hair, yes, you are more susceptible to breakage or dry spots because every time you curve a follicle, you create a, a, a little bit of weakness, but that doesn't mean the hair is damaged. That just means the hair needs different levels of care. And so I think that is the first thing that we had to figure out and solve for as the industry is understanding diversity a bit more, is we need to treat textured hair not as a damaged hair, but as a different care treatment, which means you create room for a lot of innovation, right? But you need to do that innovation and starting with the right sample size. So I think that, no, the way that I I would directly even answer that for other companies in this space is one, you need to look at the opportunities in the marketplace and some of the other consumers, not as a damaged or an inferior group, but as a group that just requires a different look and a different viewpoint. Keenan believes that companies often overlook the value of addressing the needs of diverse groups. We've entered into this personalization phase you know, when, when you look at this, we all feel that we have unique needs as individuals, right? We we want to have customized solutions. And the desire for that at least means that the larger companies need to break down their segments into more parts than they have previously, right? You can't just talk about millennials anymore because there's a varying degree of millennials. You can't just say Gen Z. There's varying degrees of Gen Z. You can't just say black, white texture straight, you have to break these things down into subgroups. And that is where we are, which means that the business models of most companies have to evolve. 
And I think because of that, that's why you're seeing so many startups. It's really hard to take a big, big machine, right? And point it at a, at what they see as a smaller subset or solution. So in the U.S., you look at, okay, you could say, well, black women are 13% of the U.S. female population. Okay. You would say if you're Pantene that that's a fairly small group because the other section you're looking at is huge. Well, 13% is a pretty big business. 13% of the U.S. So startups are identifying that and saying, I'm going for it, right? I'm going to jump into that space and I'm going to win because the larger groups can't even afford to focus there. So their strategies become build versus buy. A lot of larger organizations are choosing to buy versus build because it's cheaper. Well, that's an opportunity for us as entrepreneurs in the space. And I'm excited to see startups and entrepreneurs continue to do that to find some of these solutions that are being overlooked by these massive organizations and creating value where, where things have been wrong. Why do you think corporations overlook these types of opportunities and how can they do better when it comes to creating products for diverse individuals as well as just improving health equity more broadly? I think the size of price is what is a struggle for them. That's not lost on me. You know, in a previous life, I was running businesses like Tide, right? Tide's a three and a half billion dollar business with 40% market share. There's only so many smaller um, demographics or groups that you're going to focus on with your resources. And it's, it's just a capacity and a management thing. I think sometimes they identify it, but they just don't have the ability to operationalize it. And so that's an opportunity. So what I would say going forward is I'd love to see more of what they're doing, which is investing in startups. I'd also like to see them acquiring more startups, but in a way where you don't lose the magic of those startups, because that's the other intimidating thing that happens. You know, you take a big organization and they acquire a smaller business that has a unique community, but then they onboard them into the machine and you lose that magic. There has to be a way to onboard some of those newly acquired companies in a way where they can stay and remain pure in their format while still leveraging the resources to scale and continue to grow. As an entrepreneur and an investor and somebody who's really changing the ecosystem, where do you think the biggest bang for the buck is? Where do you think we could have a disproportionate impact from a manageable investment? Well, the community is everything, right? And I, I think we're seeing that because in this digital environment, first party data now wins. Early on in my career, I had a Procter & Gamble well, where was the community? It wasn't really held at the brand level. It was held a lot of times at the retailer. You're trying to maximize your ability to win at shelf because all of those people, all of those consumers were purchasing goods at Walmart, Target, Dollar General, and blah, 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 right? The list goes on and on. So that's where you were really trying to win. Now in this world of direct-to-consumer marketing, right, where we're purchasing on our own websites. So now each retailer okay, is almost competing with an individual brand's ability to have an online retail shop because you can buy products on mysundaytosunday.com as well as Ulta, et cetera. So now that data is shifting to the startup, right? To the smaller brand. And that smaller brand, part of what we have to do is build organic communities and build relationships with them. That's why founder stories matter so much. That's why we do a lot of experiential. That's why we work with a lot of influencers, but any founder will tell you that's why we spend so much time out of our homes because we have to in person, one by one almost build our business and build the relationships of that 
because our brand isn't big enough and doesn't have the awareness. So we have to do it with our, our energy, our heart and our soul. And that's where communities matter because that's our value, right? That's our winning proposition. And you have to continuously nurture that. And that will never make sense in a larger organization because that would be very, very expensive to try to maintain one-to-one relationships. You have to find scale. So that means you've turned your data over to another group, right? When you're running a, a Tide or a Gillette or a Pantene, you want to buy on a network who's already reaching one, two, three, 10, 20 million consumers because they watch that primetime show. Fantastic. You'll pay for that. Well, a startup, you're like, how do I reach a thousand people today? Well, how many people are going to that gym? <laughs> Let me go sit outside <laughs> and I can talk to a thousand people, right? You, you, you have the ability to do that. And I love seeing startups do that. And those are groups that I want to invest in. Those are brands that I want to create that, that have a deep affinity and love and, and, and frankly, responsibility to those that they're serving. I'm a big believer of the thought of communities identify demand, right? Each community that we're in has a set of needs, right? There's something that that community is demanding. Our job as entrepreneurs is to supply that. For Keenan, creativity and innovation are what companies need to remain responsible as they grow. I think most founders come in things with the right intentions, and I love seeing that. The pressures of capitalism then put that at risk that we have to watch out for. So to me, it's about responsible growth. Now we have to look at a broader ecosystem. So when we look at the venture capital market, when we look at banks that are demanding for these returns, are we looking at it and thinking about responsible growth, meaning, hey, sure, I know if I take out this ingredient, I may increase margin. But if I also take out this ingredient, I don't have the right level of care for that customer. What's the trade-off? Your board, your investors, everyone has to be in line with the customer, right? That consumer, that community, that group, that organization that we love and we are serving, they matter the most and they matter above certain things. So now let's find creative ways to solve for the margin. Can we go out and buy it in more bulk, right? Can we get ahead of that, right? There are other ways to then get to profitability without sacrificing the needs and the demands and and the satisfaction of those that we serve. Absolutely. You can find creative ways to keep quality in the mix, right? I think ultimately it's about believing in the products and services that you're providing. Absolutely. And and that's where it comes down to sometimes patient capital, right? As we're looking to make sure that that capital, you'll get the returns, right? Investing in a community always yields positive returns. We've seen that time and time again. But if you sacrifice your community, your business is on a glide path to fail. That is very, very clear. And I believe that time and time again, you have to make sure that those that you are serving are front and center in your business at all times. Ultimately, Keenan believes that founders, investors, and consumers all have a role to play in supporting responsible businesses. The thing that I would say is to the entrepreneurs out there is, Focus again on your customer, right? Those that you're serving and be tenacious and, and don't compromise. Don't compromise the values. And, and I will give a, a little bit of a story on things that I've done in my past, which is bring someone you really care about into the room, right? And it doesn't have to mean literally, but have bring their presence and their aura into the room. And, and I would do this all the time when, you know, I was running massive brands and I would get agencies that were giving us creative concepts. 
And I would just tell them things like, you know, you're talking to my mom and, and I don't like the way that you're talking to her. Right. And, and when you can personalize that, it's a great filter for you as you're looking to grow and develop businesses because it is tough managing a business and you do have a deep responsibility to shareholders, but you also have to make sure that you are serving that customer, that end user in the utmost of care in the right way. So bring them into the room. And I think it's also smart consumption, right? So let's be choiceful with the dollars that we have, whether we're consumers or investors. Let's consume the products that are designed with the right intentions in mind, right? Let's not throw our dollars and support those that aren't supporting us. So that's from a a consumer standpoint. From an investor standpoint, seek those founders and those teams and those companies that are looking to create long-term value because you know that they are of high integrity and they're going to yield great returns for you. So I think the entire ecosystem benefits from this philosophy. I love how Keenan views entrepreneurship as a way to address the needs of diverse communities and close the quality of life gap. I hope that you take home his practical insights around staying true to purpose along the entrepreneurial path. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to Impact Reimagined so you don't miss out on new episodes. Please also rate and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Impact Reimagined is produced by the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and Human Group Media. If you want to learn more about our work at Rutgers, visit rixie.business.rutgers.edu.